Hello, everybody. I'm Michael Allen, and uh, this is uh, our Bible study at uh, Christ Church. I'm joined with, by Leanne, uh, Brandon Ayton, Sarah Ayton, Christy Goodwin, Eric Kaiser, and Tori Brown. And uh, tonight we're uh, going to talk about uh, the Bible and the coronavirus and what the Bible has to say about the coronavirus and, uh, and share our thoughts in it. So well, that is a starting point. Uh, we have uh, six scriptures, so we'll have a discussion after each one. Um, so, uh, Brandon, would you be willing to read the first scripture? Please? I absolutely will. Uh, the first scripture is uh, Leviticus chapter 13, verses 45 and 46. Uh, and for all of these, we're going to be using the New International Version. Anyone with such a defiling disease must wear torn clothes, let their hair be unkempt, cover the lower part of their face, and cry out, unclean, unclean. As long as they have the disease, they remain unclean. They must live alone, and they must live outside the camp. So what do you all hear in this? One thing that just jumps out at me when I hear that is, is just the, the idea that um, people, like disease is a big deal. And we don't necessarily feel that way as modern peoples because we have things like modern medicine. But for most of human history, like if you were sick, like that was a problem. Um, and we're like, our world is very like sanitized from a lot of that stuff. And so the fact that this kind of stuff shows up in the Bible to me just shows the, um, just the humanity of the situation that uh, the Israelites were in when this stuff was written down. You know, you think about like people in the camp, you know, one of you gets sick, that's going to spread through the camp really fast unless you isolate that person. Um, and unless that person takes um, responsibility for themselves to stay away from everybody else. Um, and it's just not something that we do. It's not something we're used to. Um, but it's a reality of, um, of human life. Yeah. And it, it is, it is interesting to, to think just how prevalent it, it was in generations past. And that's one of the, the great things about having this Bible that goes back. So, so, so far as you have this, this cultural memory that stretches back into a time where, you know, the, those viruses were not nearly as, as significant or were, were much less of a significant event than, than they are now just because they were uh, so much more common. And, you know, you mentioned, I, I think the thing that I find most fascinating is that they must live alone. They must live outside the camp. Uh, they didn't have the a CDC and, uh, and, and medicine and medication, but uh, the idea of you have to quarantine, you have to identify yourself and separate yourself uh, is a very old and, and common idea. And when this thing first broke and they talked about how you had to self-quarantine for 14 days, it it just seemed like such an overwhelming thing, but it's kind of comforting if you look way back in the very early parts of the Bible. This was something that people knew about and were comfortable with uh, way back then. It's interesting. What do some of the rest of y'all think? Yeah, uh, talk about extreme social distancing. It's uh, you're completely outside <laughs> the community. Um, you know, it kind of goes the ancient world, the Near East, the Greeks. They all had this um, this. Uh, practice of ostracism, whether it's for uncleanness or disease mm -hmm. or, or what have you. And I was flipping through my, I was flipping through my, I have the NIV cultural background study Bible and I was flipping through to uh, this verse 
um, I also found on the 15th chapter, it has this note about disease transmission in the ancient world. Look at you, Eric. Yeah, this is, uh, I can take no credit for this. Um, What's but it it, say? Well, it's a, it's a very short passage, but it's talking about how, you know, there's no knowledge of germs uh, in, the, in the ancient world, obviously. Um, the Israelites had no um, uh, advanced information about this, but that, you know, the rest of the ancient world believed, you know, that some disease, diseases were demon-induced, and things of that nature, and there's no evidence that Israel shared this viewpoint, but it's, and the Bible doesn't really encourage it, um, but, you know, could have happened, they were still in the same same time period, but it talks about treatment of disease in the ancient Near East included exorcistic rites, herbal remedies, magical remedies, or some combination of those. I'm just like, man, uh, we've come a long way. Um, you know, everything Michael and Sarah were talking about as, you know, these you know, disease and the spread of it amongst the community were was still a problem, but uh, you know, just it's comforting to know that you know if uh, somebody has a uh, fear they may have the coronavirus, we're not going to put them through an exorcism necessarily. So that's that's Thank comforting. Yeah, yeah. we. You know, for ahead, me, um, I, I was always like, I've read the book of Leviticus, you know, because I because I read my Bible every year, and it's like I always get to this part, and I think why is this even in here? I have nothing in common with these people. And then mm -hmm. since COVID-19, especially like, I think, what is it to live alone? Like I have had empathy and found companionship with a group of people that I never would have even, I just never thought I had anything in, in, you know, in common with a leper or with somebody that had a disease. And it's like, loneliness is loneliness and leaving the community and doing things that are that when you have to think of the community instead of yourself, like to sacrifice yourself. I mean, they lived a sacrificial life to go live in the wilderness so that the rest of the community wouldn't get it. And I just think um, suddenly I'm finding myself, you know, connected to people that just seemed so foreign to me, um, you know, two months ago, I, I would have never made that connection. And now I feel like they're my kindred spirits and I feel their loneliness and I feel their fear and their anxiety. So it's made it come alive to me, a book that I had kind of written off as like a book of laws. Why use it? Right. And Leanne, I think, I mean, I think that's a really good point. You're finding that, uh, that commonality in between you and this, uh, th this group that uh, whether it's by choice or by the community uh, putting a regulation or a law or rule to make them do this. Uh, it's, it is ultimately to help the, to help the entire community, the entire group. Um, and one thing that, that I, when I read this, uh, that I look at is how this carries through into the New Testament. It, because all of these rules and these, these traditions were still going on uh, in, during the time of Jesus. And you look at Jesus talking to, uh, talking to lepers, healing lepers. And, um, you know, so, even if they are outside of the community, Jesus is still going to that place to make sure that they are still, that they still know that even though you're, they're outside of a, a community that doesn't put them outside of the love or outside of the reach of the divine. I love That's that. Excellent. That's an excellent thought. And I like, like how uh, you all both said that back, uh, back to back because Leanne, that's, uh, that's a beautiful thought that they were, sacrificing to live in the wilderness, sacrificing their life 
uh, for the health of the community and, 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 uh, you know, how, you know, how, how much of a sacrificial act, act there is. And, and, and Brandon, like, that's so great that, yeah, I remember that them saying, well, they were grumbling that he was healing, uh, healing the lepers and, and associating with them. But just because they were sacrificing doesn't mean that they needed, that they were excluded. They were doing it before the community, right? It was, it was kind of a, a way to, to tie that together, which is, yeah, that's, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, the one other thing that I w- would add to it is I, uh, I thought, as you were saying, Leanne, um, what came to mind is that Psalm, uh, if I go up into the heavens, you're there, God. If I go down to the depths, uh, you're there. That uh, The Bible has so many different stories within it and, and so many different uh, uh, ideas and thoughts that wherever we are in our lives, that uh, this COVID-19 is, is, uh, is proof that even when something comes completely out of left field, the Bible already has stuff in there if, if you know where to look. And, and that's a uh, you know, it's just such a beautiful thing that we get to, to interact with, um, with something that no matter where we might find ourselves, uh, there, there's something in there uh, that, that, that God can speak to us through. And that's, that's amazing. Uh, that's the first of six readings. So we've got yeah. five more to go. Well, uh, and, and also like not necessarily to make, to make light of it, but you know, I, if you want to, if you want to feel like uh, that you can relate to, uh, the lepers in biblical times, all you have to do is cough when you're in the grocery store during allergy season. And man, <laughs> it's just like, whoa, okay, I'm, I got it. Yeah. I uh, you know, it's sneezed and, at the dinner table last week and, and I almost lost. I was like, oh no, well, I'm filled with fear. Like, what is, what is this? So yeah, you can, I, I can relate. It changed a little bit. Were you going to say, it, sir? Yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of interesting to me. Um, that they they have in there that phrase that you have to cover the lower part of your face, right? And so now, now as uh, you know, the should we wear masks or should we not wear masks conversation is going on culturally. Um, you know, like this is also like a really ancient practice that we have evidence of. Um, this was something that people would have done if they were ill and they had a disease in the ancient world um, in order to prevent the spread of disease. So sometimes I think that we can imagine ourselves as so much smarter than ancient peoples, but I don't know (laughs) if we really are. (laughs) Yeah. And especially because, you know, and I, I had to look this up about how leprosy is spread and it, you know, it's spread through nasal secretions or droplets, you know, very similar to, to this. And, you know, for, for them to at least have had, the observational awareness to say like, nope, you're, you have to cover that up. That's, that, that's pretty astounding. I mean, I'm, I'm so glad that y'all brought that up. I hadn't thought about that before. I mean, it's, uh, you know, a lot of times we are, we hear these kind of verses about the unclean and you have to go out and it's like, Oh, those people have to go. And it's like a, it's, we're talking about other people. Well, now, I mean, I just, I feel the empathy for them. It's like, oh, I'm the leper. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm the leper. <laughs> it's, it's, it's incredible. Blows my mind. My, my mind's blown too. Yeah, I, I, honestly, Sarah, I don't. I have read that verse so many times in the past uh, couple months, and I had skipped over the cover the lower part of your face. So Leviticus, just so we're clear here, say wear a mask and self quarantine if there's a <laughs> disease. 3,000, 2,500, 3,000 years ago. Uh, so that's, that's amazing. Be- before they knew what a germ was, before they knew how disease was spread, it's as if God was 
already telling them how to protect themselves. Like that is miraculous. Mm -hmm. And especially if they thought a demon caused it, like, or something like that, like, and that they were still doing the hygiene things. It's just blowing my mind. Right. That they would have exorcisms and herbal remedies that may or may not work. But at the same time, they had mask wearing and, and, and quarantine. That's, yeah, that's fascinating. So in some ways we're a lot better, but uh, in other ways we're just catching up to what they knew. <laughs> um, Tori, do you want to read the, uh, the, the Exodus uh, passage? Absolutely. So I'm reading Exodus chapter 30, verse 17 to 21. Then the Lord said to Moses, make a bronze basin with its bronze stand for washing. Place it in between the tent of meeting and the altar and put water in it. Aaron and his sons are to wash their hands and feet with water from it. Whenever they enter the tent of meeting, they shall wash the water so that they will not die. Also, when they approach the altar to minister by presenting a food offering to the Lord, they shall wash their hands and feet so that they will not die. This is to be a lasting ordinance for Aaron and his descendants of the generations to come. Wow. What do you all think? Basically, God's saying, wash your hands. <laughs> right, and tell your kids to, and their kids to, and their kids to. And we, just so we're clear, we are, uh, we are the, the generations to come of the descendants of Aaron. So it, it was a lasting ordinance. It's still supposed to, to be lasting. Um, but uh, I guess we've gotten a little away from it until recently. But it, it's, I, I'm just struck by the juxtaposition of animal offerings and hand washing. Uh, that, you know, something so anachronic, like so outside of our common lives, and another thing that's so necessary to our common lives uh, existing uh, so far back. Well, you know, I was reading this um, article maybe in New York Times like a few weeks ago, and it was talking about virology and just how there are, I mean, there are just millions and millions of viruses out in the world. It's the most common like infectious agent that attacks humans far more than like bacteria or fungal infections. Um, and, you know, this, this science writer was talking about how like they, there are so many more viruses probably than we even know about just because of the way viruses work. And um, a lot of the viruses have this um, component about them where they jump from animal to animal. Um, which is what this virus has done. So I just think this is fascinating when we talk about like, well, you know, bats are known to shed viruses. And when they're stressed, especially because of human activity, they shed those viruses more often, which then means other animals are more likely to pick up those viruses and they mutate inside those animals and then people eat those animals or they're in contact with those animals' fluids like their blood. And then those viruses end up in the human genome. Um, what I think is fascinating about all of this is that, y'all, this is, this is mind-blowing to me. So the development <laughs> of like the placenta, like the reason why mammals have placentas is because of like viral code that entered the mammalian genome huh. like millions of years ago. 
that is fasting. So, right. yeah, I think- so it's like, so the, here you have this passage in the Bible where they're talking about like doing animal sacrifice and the whole time they're like, wash your hands so you don't die. Uh, okay. I was wondering uh, what you were talking about animals. That That's an amazing connection, right? Because yeah, they, viruses had been, have been around since, you know, the beginning, since before they wrote this stuff down. So yeah, they said, you know, when you sacrifice your animals, don't let the virus jump to you. So it's not just washing your hands. It's a very specific thing that's very relevant to this. That's, that is fascinating, Sarah. I, I like that. That's awesome. What's on the rest of y'all think? I got to admit, I struggled with this one just a little bit in the context of the coronavirus. Just, I mean, obviously, I know it's talking about washing your hands. That's all well and good. Um, the rest of the passage, you know, is talking about, you know, when they're setting up the tabernacle and the priest, and here's what you have to do to make sure you are clean. And when you enter into the presence of God, that you are pure and stuff. And so you have to wash your hands to enter into the presence of God. It's like, okay, fine. But does that mean? Like, surely that doesn't mean the opposite, that if you don't or if you happen to get sick, that you cannot enter into the presence. I mean, that doesn't make any sense to me, at least not through, from a Christian perspective. Um, mm. So maybe I was like, is this a holdover? I don't know if that's even a real thing where it's a holdover that then Jesus came and this doesn't count. And not that it doesn't count, but it's not enforced anymore. I don't know. I just I struggled with this one, I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> Yeah, that's, I mean, th that is, so many of the passages of the Bible I struggle with, and, and struggling with is, off, is a good thing uh, in, a lot of, in a lot of ways, because uh, you're really encountering it and trying, trying to square with it. Uh, the only thing that I would say, uh, I had heard uh, on a podcast that uh, the whole idea of the tent of meeting was kind of the, was creation in miniature. Uh, so the bronze basin was supposed to symbolize the, uh, the, uh, the, uns the the darkness of the of the water uh, before God's uh, face moved over it, uh, and it was all just everything was very intentional, intentional and ritualized uh, because uh, as humans we're we're ritualized creatures, and so uh, it can kind of help clear our minds and prepare us for a God that's there, whether we're sick or well. If we have these steps that we go through the same way every time, and uh, and, you know, the, the ritual of, of, of having these things and, and specifically washing their hands. I, I think I mentioned it to you all before. Um, I, I will say the Lord's Prayer as I wash my hands uh, because it takes 20 seconds. And even though it's not biblical that you need to wash your hands for 20 seconds, uh, it's, it's still a thing. Uh, and so now on, when I'm watching the, the church services on the live stream, uh, we get to the Lord's Prayer part. And my, my hands start making the washing motion uh, because it, those things are now tied together in my brain. Uh, which is just proof that that psychologically there's something about us that we just respond to ritual at a very basic level. And I see this passage as a way to kind of harness that uh, in a way that's both healthy and, and spiritually uh, fulfilling. Uh, so that's just my take on it. Does that help at all, Eric? I don't know. Um, this is gonna, it's just going to be something. It doesn't hurt. Um, it's going to be something I struggle with just because, just because. Well, I, the thought occurred to me that you know this is all about um, you know being made ritually clean um, and holy. Got 
this, I'm going off of this cultural studies Bible again. It's got this whole thing about consecration and consecrating the priest to be holy, to be, to enter into the presence of God. And I just, I just kept thinking like, we don't have to do that because, you know, we don't have to go through all the cleansing rituals because, you know, we've been, what's the, the hymn we've been washed in the blood. I mean, Uh we don't have to do that anymore. Uh, So I don't, I don't know. I'm got, the the struggle is part part of the the point, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And yeah, there's a well, whole lot think, that we can say about cleanliness. Well, I think that there are other rituals that certainly clergy do now that maybe have replaced some of the things that we find um, in the Old Testament that the priests were doing. Um, so maybe we're not doing hand washing before animal sacrifice, but I'm sure if we sat here and thought about it we could think of other other rituals that our clergy people are doing you know i mean our church services are full of rituals um you know brandon said that easter service this year he's like it didn't really feel like easter until we got to the end and they sang uh christ the lord is risen today didn't feel Mm -hmm. like easter because they didn't start off with that you know and uh you know what are what are the other things that are like that with um those ritualistic practices uh, that, you know, they're not the same as they were in the ancient world, obviously, but those are still very much present in church culture. I will say when I've had the opportunity to help serve communion at church, uh, there is that uh, uh, sanitizer that uh, they they break the bread and then they pass around the sanitizer. So uh, it's not animal sacrifice, but it is, you got to squint a little bit. It's still there in 2020. Um, so lasting maybe, ordinance maybe, for generations maybe they to come. Misun- maybe they misunderstood. Like maybe God said, wash and be clean. And maybe it wasn't to stand in the presence of God, but to be with other people. So maybe it was a sign of respect. You know, like in a lot of cultures where they would wash their feet, that was a great sign of respect for each other. So, you know, maybe when God, kind of like in the, like cover the lower part of your face or whatever, maybe it was, you know, not, maybe it, it wasn't to stand in the presence. Maybe they missed whoever wrote this down, like misunderstood it. Maybe it was because you're going to, that's when people would come together. So like in Jerusalem and places where they would all gather around the tent of meeting, that would be when the priest would bless people and touch people and give them the showbread and all that stuff. Even, even, you know, before communion, they had that showbread. Maybe it was something like that. And again, it could be one of those mysterious things where God was taking care of everybody, the community, and they thought it was because God expected something. I think when Jesus came, he was like, it isn't about washing. It's about loving each other. It's about caring for each other. Maybe it was a mis- you know, maybe God, maybe Jesus just reframed that a little bit and was like, oh, you thought you were cleaning for God. No, this is about respecting each other. Now that would make that really exciting to me. I, I like that a lot. Yeah, really yeah Leanne, I, I really like that, that, that interpretation because, you know, as we do see in, in the New Testament, it's less about uh, being ritually pure and being ritually clean and more about uh, you know, loving one another and caring about one another. Yeah, pure heart instead of clean hands is what we're going for. Honestly, I think that's a perfect setup for, uh, for us to move on to the, uh, the next section, which talks about exactly is exactly this. Um, so, uh, uh, Christy, do you want to read uh, the, the, the next reading? Sure. 
The next verse is from Numbers, chapter 12, verse 15. So Miriam was confined outside the camp for seven days, and the people did not move on until she was brought back. So what are y'all hearing this? So they waited. That <laughs> even though she was probably scared and worried what was going to happen, they waited. The community was there. So they supported her. Uh, it's beautiful, right? When especially I love I love how you say it. Like, right? They, she was scared, but they were waiting. Like, that's that that's that's what this is all about, right? That that's uh, it's it's not about the to tie it back the ritual purity. Um, it, it's not about uh, a God requiring you to be ritually clean. Um, I, I really like your your interpretation, uh, Leanne, and the way you said it, uh, Christy. It's 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 about it's about waiting. What 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 does some of the rest of y'all think? So, can I? you know, read a couple of the verses pre prior to this? Sure. There's a lot of context behind this. Like, right, like I, I've learned <laughs> about Miriam a lot more within the past year with this Bible study, right? Um, but yeah, go, go ahead, Brian. I mean, at, at this point, you know, Miriam had been, been stricken with leprosy anyway. But the thing that I find very interesting and uh, relevant to today is uh, when we look at, um, when we look at verse 14, when the Lord replied to Moses, if her father had spit in her face, would she not have been in disgrace for seven days and then confine her outside the camp for seven days? After that, she can be brought back. Um, and it's when, when I, when I read that, you know, they were, they were, de- they were doing this uh, at, at the pretty much the, the instruction of God or as Moses was interpreting this. And I, uh, but I, I like how they, not only did they stay, but it actually addresses a, a certain level of um, a certain level of uh, the, the the sign of, of of disrespect. You know, she had she had disrespected this uh, this institution, or in this instance, uh, the this father figure, this this divine presence, uh, but he's effectively saying this is this is the law if her father had spit in her face or in this instance saying that i have been disrespected you are you are you need to be be out put in your place for seven days um and so i i think about that in in our context um where we actually see people getting angry and people getting frustrated and people literally spitting in people's faces in, um, you know, at, at the dollar general or, you know, at the, at the grocery store and even terrible things that are happening as repercussions, you know, you know, people resorting to physical violence when, when stuff like this is happening or just for being asked to, to wear a mask and have some concern for the community. And I look at this and, you know, at this point, Miriam, um, in this this act of defiance or disrespect was still embraced and by the community and they waited uh, as opposed to saying, oh, well, Miriam is, has done this thing. We're, we're done with her. You know, it's, uh, it, it, it might be a stretch, but I look at that and I say, this is a, a moment where the, the community still recognized what had happened but still embraced her. And, and your worst fear is being forgotten. 
isn't it, for all of us? Like, we all just mm -hmm. want to know, do I mm -hmm. matter as a being? Is anybody going to forget me? And, oh, yeah. And That's not great. only was she afraid of being forgotten, but being turned against, and yet they waited. I mean, to me, this passage, again, these passages never spoke to me. It's funny, like, it's where it is the living word of God. Suddenly, as I'm living this and I'm thinking, will I be forgotten? Does anyone care that I'm alone? Uh, you know, will they remember my, you know, and, and yet our community, our Christ-centered community, our God-centered communities shouldn't forget us. And I think, you know, I think about people in the nursing home and they're thinking, my people can't come visit me. Have they forgotten me? I mean, I just think we can't forget these people. I just, I love that, that our community will wait and wait and wait for however long that is. Interesting that it's seven days too, because you know, that's a holy number. And it's like, right? Mm -hmm. Seven days. Yeah. That's a holy number. God created the whole earth in that time. That means forever, forever in Bible time. They waited for her forever. Like, please wait for me forever if I'm alone. Yeah. If, if I need it. Forever if I'm sick. Right. Don't forget me if I have to be isolated in a hospital or right. live alone or whatever. Just don't forget me. Don't let me be invisible. She, she didn't become invisible. She wasn't forgotten. I just think that's powerful. Really yeah. powerful. I think it's even more powerful when you, know, you go a, little, a few verses farther back and at least it strikes me as, you know, she, she was partially questioning the authority of Moses and it says, the anger of the Lord burned against them and he left them. And when the cloud lifted from above the tent, Miriam's skin was leprous. So like her disease is at least partially like a, almost an answer to her rebellion. And, and yet they waited. And, and so it's not like, she, this just happened to her. Oh, bad luck. You went to the grocery store and walked past somebody who was asymptomatic. Um, no, this is, this is something that was um, at least in part a response to what Miriam had done. Um, and yet they waited where, you know, so if they can wait for her, we can wait for our uh, fellow citizens in the nursing home or people who are home, you know, homebound by themselves and maybe don't have, um, a, uh, a way to talk to somebody, you know, they, they don't have Zoom or, or whatever. So, you know, they can wait for Miriam. We can wait for, for our fellow, our, our fellow people. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, that, that, that's exactly the point to, to me that, that really speaks to me about this is that, uh, is that the, the reason that she was outside of the camp was, was because of this, this long story with, with her and Moses. But uh, at the end of it, she had broken a norm of the community. Uh, but even though she was not following the norms and laws of the community, the community still saw her as a part of it because that was their identity, right? It wasn't, it wasn't so much about uh, her, uh, although th that's a, a point I want to get to in just a second. It was, it was about the fact that they said, we are a community and we don't leave people behind. It was a, it's a, I think it's preserved because my interpretation of it at least is that is a statement about the people who valued that and, and it's passed on uh, so that hopefully uh, that we can. Um, and and the, the other thing that I find uh, also just really refreshing uh, to, to, to consider is that, you know, when you're, when you're high up and everything's going great and you're the right hand of Moses and you're a prophetess and you're, uh, you know, orchestrating all of these, uh, th these things to, to, to come uh, to pass and striking a, a, a rock and water flowing out and just doing powerful things, you know, that it's good to be part of a community with that so you can share it. But, 
But man, when the rug gets pulled out from you and you're humiliated and the world is upside down, uh, you know, that's when you need community. And even though she was alone, when she came back at that seven days, it wasn't an empty camp she was coming back to, right? Like it, when, when she needed them, uh, they waited for her. And, and I think that that says something about how we are created and, and, and about how, how God made us, that, that that is something that we are called uh, to do and to be. Um, and that's just a really powerful, t- and especially in this time when we're so isolated and alone, you know, it's just good to remember that we are part of a community. Thank goodness we have Zoom and, uh, yeah. and live streams that, that pre- no previous generation has had. Um, so we have ways to act out this community, but, but no, no question about it. If, if, if you're hearing this, you are part of, uh, of a community. And, and that's just a powerful thing to, to meditate on. We're, we are not alone. And, and I see this a lot with, you know, just on, on Facebook posts and, and emails and things like that, where you have people just saying like, hey, by the way, if you haven't heard from somebody in a while, just check up on them. And I'm like, and, you know, this isn't necessarily our, 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 our Christ Church community or Sunday school group or whatever, but it's, it's still great to see that everyone is saying like, hey, if you haven't heard from someone in your tribe, you should go reach out, check up on them, make sure they're okay. And what I love is that these people are so like, when you read about the Israelites, like they just make every mistake day after day after day. I mean, all they do is whine and cry and blah. And then they do this beautiful thing. And again, I think we don't know what we're doing in COVID-19. Like we're all just like, I don't know what I'm doing. And then you just land on this beautiful passage where they do the right thing. And so it also reminds me of like, we're all flawed and we're probably making a zillion mistakes and we don't know what we're doing, but then there's like something beautiful. And I think, you know, it's neat to celebrate with the Israelites something beautiful. Cause usually we're like, Oh, all they did was wine. They didn't like the manna. They got sick of the quail. They wanted water. Oh, they wanted to go back to Egypt. And all of a sudden they do something so magnificent. And I love when flawed people do something beautiful it just reminds me we can all do something beautiful with our lives Leanne, that, that 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 it, I, ident- I identify with that so much as you know a parent of three young children in quarantine <laughs> where you have you know oh i'm done with this or oh, i'm bored of this or man i want to go outside or whatever and you know especially when you look at this through the lens of you know, uh, traditionally tradition states that moses wrote these books so of course he's like yeah i'm I'm logging all of the times my kids say, are we there yet? You know, that's, that's what's going on. Uh, and so as, as a, as a parent, I identify with that. I also tangentially, this has one of my favorite old Testament verses in it, uh, which is verse three, uh, because this, you know, this is written by Moses. He says, now Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. Yeah. And I, I often joke that modesty is my best quality. And hmm. uh, I've my, noticed that, Brandon. Yeah. And my, <laughs> my wife was just telling me yesterday, uh, Brandon, you, that wasn't an apology. <laughs> and I was like, oh, man, grumble, grumble. So <laughs> I do have to, to draw that conclusion that, like, so Miriam was, this, was one of the most powerful prophetesses of the, of the Old Testament and arguably one of the most powerful women uh, of the Old Testament. Uh, but even she, was a flawed character, and Moses was uh, the only one who saw God face to face, and never since have we seen a prophet uh, of his like. Uh, but even he uh, was well, wrote a book that uh, you know wasn't wasn't uh, he wasn't perfect, uh, and and but yet through them God was able to do things, and and so that you know I have heard uh, in the process of this coronavirus um, 
mentioned uh, here and there on Facebook to just, uh, you know, give yourself a break. Don't hold yourself to such high expectations. You know, we are our heroes of the Old Testament weren't perfect. And that was on purpose because we are called to be like God perfect. But when we fail, uh, we, we, that is, that is understandable. That is not something that we need to beat ourselves out over. We, they were right. flawed. We are flawed that God made us that way. And, and hopefully in community, we can help account for some of those flaws. That's how it's supposed to work. And right. I would mention that that was how it was supposed to work before the coronavirus. And one of the great things uh, that, that we are talking about now, that, that because of this terrible event, we're able to see things that were around before, but because we are changed, the value of community and the value of, of being, of taking care of your, of your mental and spiritual health and being good to yourself uh, takes on more precedence because of our current events, even though it should have always mattered. Now we can see how it, it is mattering. And I think that's, in my opinion, that's a way that God is trying to, to speak with us and lead us even now in the middle of this thing where we feel so isolated. God is still there. And in these ways are calling us to, to the places we could have been all the time. And all of a sudden, here we are in a wilderness. Like, who knew that we had crossed the Red Sea and found ourselves in a wilderness? And it all happened, you know, in a, about a three-day span where we were, I mean, I think back to like Ash Wednesday and, uh, and some of the services before Easter. And it's like, it's a million years ago that I didn't even have this on my radar. And it's like, and I'm sure the Israelites too were like, what has happened? Think their whole world was turned upside down, just like ours. I just... I'm like, wow, the wilderness is more than just a desert. It's like a place. It's a spiritual place that you, that you land and we've landed there. And it's just crazy to me. Like our best friends are these people who were in the wilderness before and they lived thousands of years before us. It's just, it blows my mind how time collapses and we find ourselves in the same spaces. I just love that. It is refreshing because the good thing about finding yourself in the wilderness is you know how that ends, right? Like you, you know that they, that, uh, that, that it did not last until 2020. There, there was, there was a point where they found the out the, the wilderness and lo and behold, they were in the promised land. And, uh, and so that there, there's a comfort there that yes, we find ourselves in these places and yeah. we, we can read the stories of the people in those places. And we also know chapters ahead, which is it's comforting. There's a lot. Of I mean, we know the ending, but they were there for 40 years. So like, ooh, <laughs> yeah. I didn't want to bring that up in yeah. the middle of a COVID-19 Bible study. But I think it's like, <laughs> we, they didn't see that coming either. So, you know, I think we, you know, who knows, but we know that God will be with us and we know there will be a happy ending for, if not our generation of the, the next one. I don't know, but it's like, ooh. Yeah, somewhere along we also know like a, the, uh, the wilderness to me is like a, like a holding place. Um, for you until you're ready to do the next thing. Yeah. So I think that's like really applicable to like what we're going through now, right? Like we don't know what the world's going to look like. We don't know when it's going to get, we don't know when it's going to look like whatever it is going to look like when we get out of this. But, you know, right now we're in the, we're in the wilderness, right? Like I, I can't remember who, I think it was Mike Minuli and we're like, you know, you're like, you look at a map of, uh, you know, between Egypt and Israel, it's not that big. Like they weren't lost. Like they yeah. were just walking around like for 40 years, just waiting and waiting what? for what we don't know. And yeah, I, I definitely feel a lot like that too. Um, you know, what are we waiting for? We're all just waiting for something. 
Well, they were made to they were made to wander because they wouldn't follow directions, right? <laughs> <laughs> so if we follow directions, wash your hands, wear your mask. Maybe it won't be forty years. My right. PSA. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Community. You know, I do right. have to of our Bible that. study. As as we're now a, a little of the ways into this uh, coronavirus, um, I, I am starting to notice that there are uh, just how many changes. You know, you think back to to March. Uh, 11th and 13th when, when this happened like it, it you're rightly and it feels like years ago uh, and and you know I, I just look at uh, at the way I spend my time uh, just because everything has been so upended and you know it's it's odd to be in the wilderness I agree with you Sarah it's a, it's kind of a, a, a place a, a holding place uh, but I can almost feel myself changing and I look back to that time just a near two months ago and and I can see the the, the, the change that's occurred and it it's just kind of an, an odd feeling uh, where, where, you know, that you can kind of expect the level of change that would happen in, a, in two months and just how different it is, is, is notable that, uh, that this is something that, that is having a, an effect on us. And, uh, and I don't think that's something we should ignore. I think that's something that we should be aware of and, and, and ask ourselves uh, how we want to, uh, to, to have it change us. You know, what, that's a what, really good point. Yeah. The, uh, you know, with Sarah and I've had some conversations about this and, you know, I don't know what the, the world is going to look like in six months or 12 months or, you know, we don't know. It's going to, but it's gonna, definitely going to be different. And, mm-hmm. um, and we, as, as people, we, as a church and, uh, as individuals are, we're all going to be different. Um, we're going to find new ways to do things. We're going to find new ways to, to work and worship and, um, and interact. Um, but you're right, Michael, I think we should be open to that and we should, we should be okay with that. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times I, I hear people say, I can't wait to just for things to get back to normal. And, and I, I'm kind of hesitant because I'm like, it, I don't feel as though that expectation of normalcy is going to exist the way that people want it to exist. Um, and that's okay. Uh, but I also think, you know, when we were talking about the wilderness, you know, I think one of the, one of the blessings there, knowing that we're in the wilderness in this, this situation is that it's not going to last forever. It's going to last exactly. as long as it lasts, but it's not going to be forever. And we should be okay with that too. Understanding mm-hmm. that, it, well, I mean, and I know some of some of us have been to Chrysalis. And one of the things they always say at Chrysalis is, "Don't anticipate, participate." <laughs> and so mm-hmm. I you know, think about that. It's like don't don't look for the end of this thing. Look for what you can do during this thing. Which is and, another thing. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Oh no, so like, which is another part of this thing like, that you know, they, they became better people in the wilderness. They did. But like at this moment it, with Miriam, uh, they're not really looking better. So as we're like, you know, like we talked about before, we're spitting in each other's faces. I mean, people have been shot. I mean, it's, it's getting crazy. It doesn't seem like we're evolving into better people, but the biblical truth is that when you're in the wilderness, you do. I mean, God will help you grow into better people. We won't be the same at the end of this. And I think we think, oh, we're going to be worse or we're not changing or whatever. But the wilderness makes you change. Like that's the biblical mm-hmm. story. But at this moment, I mean, Miriam is at an all-time low. 
So it doesn't seem like, oh, it's getting better. It's not a stair step. It's like this weird process of, of turn. It's like a butterfly. Did you ever see a butterfly, like a video <laughs> of a butterfly? Like they turn inside out. They're so gross when they turn from a caterpillar. <laughs> into it. It's not pretty. And I'm like, I guess that's what it is in the wilderness. Like you've got to look at grossness. And I mean, a butterfly completely changes and then it, it, then it has wings. I mean, it's, it's a process and it's ugly. And I think we're in the middle of the ugliness and I think we shouldn't be shocked by that. I think we should be like, okay, so it's going good. That, yeah. That's kind of what I was going to, what I was going to say. It's like on the getting back to normal. Like, I don't want to go back to normal. I want a, a new, a new normal. If the, the Israelites after the 40 years in the wilderness, they were not the same. Uh, mm-hmm. In fact, I think, in fact, I, if I remember correctly, I think God waited until everyone who had entered the wilderness had died off until before they could go to the process. They literally <laughs> were not the same. Um, we hope that that's not going to be the case here. But, I mean, if they hadn't changed, they'd still be in the wilderness. So mm-hmm. if we're going to get out of this coronavirus wilderness, you know, we have to make changes and we have to be better at the end of it. Or the wilderness, mm-hmm. one, may not end as soon as we want it to. And two, even when it does, it needs to have been worth it. So we need to come out of this and have a, be better people, be better Christians, be a better church, be a better world at the end of this. Um, and hopefully that's where we're headed. Tori, jump have, in here. I need to hear what Tori has to say. She's been yes, so quiet. Please, Tori. So for me, I'm thankful to be in the wilderness. I don't like the way church was before. I don't like mm. who I was before. It seemed like before we were all just so petty over the dumbest things and now (laughs) the wilderness wilderness and basically having everything taken away from us. I mean, when I expected to go through Lent, I didn't think I was going to be giving that much up this year. (laughs) Turns out I was giving up my whole previous life. And so for me, I've just been able to grow a stronger connection with God. Like I love our church dearly, but I have just never really felt God's presence in the sanctuary or in the middle of worship. But here with uh, the senior living community, I work at, we're doing communion every Thursday and the, just the spiritual holiness in that moment is greater than any worship service I have ever attended in my 25 years of church. And so, and I hate that this is happening the way it is happening. I hate that people are losing their jobs and losing their lives. And I am so sorry for all those who are suffering right now. But in a way, I feel like there are so many things that we can do that God wants us to do to turn this around, to make this more positive and to just keep on going and to have that momentum to do his work in the midst of all this craziness. And so for me, I hope and pray we don't go back to who we were and what we were as a congregation. I hope we look at this and what we've learned and just go forward in God's love. That is amazing. Thank you, Tori. Tori, and you know what you said is so true. And Eric, what you said, I mean, let's make this worth it. Let's make this worth it. Let's learn the lesson. Let's embrace it so that when we get done, it's not like, well, that was just a blip. It was a bad time, whatever. Let's really make it worth it. And uh, the transformation can be incredible if we embrace it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Tori, Uh, you gave me chills. You just gave me chills head to toe. Yeah, I, I, I mean, uh, it's kind of like a, a little John the Baptist moment for me. You know, we say, here we are in the wilderness. And Tori says, and here I hear God speaking to me in the wilderness. 
more clearly than, than, than he ever did uh, before. And I mean, there's just, there's just something beautiful about, uh, uh, about hearing that. You're right, gave me chills uh, as well. Uh, hey, Eric, do you want to uh, read uh, the, the next? I would love to. I was actually going to request to, if nobody else wanted to. I, I like this one. Oh, good. Uh, this is the one from First Kings. Is that the next one on our list? Yes, it is. All right. I'm reading from First Kings chapter 19, verses 11 through 13. Um, this is God speaking to Elijah. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And when the fire, and after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And that just, that passage just, it's, it's the, my favorite one of the ones that we've read for our, uh, our study tonight, just because God is in the gentle whisper. He's not in the the earth and he is in the earthquake and the fire and all but you know it made me think of you know we always talk about be still and know that i am god and after all of the um the earthquake and the fire and the uh the wind uh you know that the, the, these tribulations and these um uh, uh great um you know tearing apart that you know this coronavirus pandemic can can be, you know, afterward comes the silence, it comes the stillness, and there, at least for me, you know, I, I think there is where you can find God, um, like, okay, uh, it's just, I don't know, it just really spoke to me, and then the, um, once again, referring to my cultural background Bible, I'm cheating a little bit, <laughs> we weren't supposed to do, weren't supposed to do any homework, um, I love this, but, uh, you know, it talks about the the um, notes to this, these verses talk about, you know, in the ancient world, the wind and the earthquake and the fire are used to uh, represent and symbolize all these other ancient gods. Um, and, you know, it's, it's a theme throughout that, that part of the world at the time. But it talks about uh, uh, the note on chapter 19, verse 12, about the gentle whisper. It says that this is unusual and without parallel in the ancient world. The voice of God usually thunders, but in all the destructive emanations, there has been no message from Yahweh. The gentle whispers does not indicate the demeanor of the communication. Rather, it identifies that God speaks in the reverberating silence that follows tumultuous, tumultuous disasters. And it made me think That's of... Beautiful. That's amazing. Yeah. The reverberating you know, silence. When we, uh, when I was reading through the list of passages that we were going to talk about, I got to this one and I'm just like, why is this one in here? And, uh, maybe like Eric, you know, you were struggling with the one about the, the priests and the hand washing about like, how do I relate this to COVID-19? Like, how does this have anything to do with what's going on right now? So it didn't really strike me until just now listening to you talk that like, haven't we all been forced to just sit? <laughs> you know, like we are so used to 
running around and being busy and like not being able to focus and having no time and no emotional energy to just sit and be still. So we can't even find God. Like if God is out there whispering to us, you know what I mean? Like, because we're just so distracted by everything else that is going on. But like, this is really forced upon us that like, no, now we all have to just sit. You stay in your house. You are quiet. You find ways to listen. Um, be in the moment. Be present, like with yourself. Um, and I think that that uh, doing those sorts of things, I don't know. That's that's where that's when the spirit starts talking to you, right? And I know that like anybody that knows me knows that like I'm always going on about the Holy Spirit, but like the Holy Spirit is like the best guys. He really is. Like, <laughs> just, I mean, I mean, I know it's like, it's like so hard for people to wrap their heads around. Right. But, uh, you know, like, like I was talking with one of my friends and today and, um, we were talking about frozen too. And, uh, and she was like, why is she's like, Hey, you'll love this. She's like, I'm doing a Bible study with the kids. And, uh, I'm going to ask them the question, like, why, why is Elsa going into the unknown? And I was like, oh, it's because the spirit is calling her, right? Like, I was like, this movie is so spiritual. I love it. I love it so much. Yeah. So thank you, Eric, for sharing that because I was, I was like, this is unrelated to what we're talking about. But um, no, it totally does. Well, it's, it's just like you said. I mean, we are being forced to be still. We're forced to be silent. You know, how many people, I'm sure you all have friends like I do who have said during all this, you know, I don't have anything. I got to find something to keep myself busy. I can't be left alone with my thoughts. And I was like, <laughs> well, when it's just you and your thoughts, that's like you, like you said, that's, that's when God's spirit can enter in. So, mm-hmm. you know, so we'll take it as an opportunity. The part in the scripture that stuck out to me this time, which I, you know, again, it's just the living word of God. I hear things that I never heard, but it says, and when Elijah heard it, so the gentle whisper comes, and when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. And then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And I think, again, I'm going back to that cover your face and like, okay, I don't want to wear a mask. I don't know how that's going to work. How do you do church? How do you do ministry? How do you do your life with a cloak over your face? And I do feel like that's exactly where I'm at. Like, with a cloak over my face, I've got my mask, it's on. And God says, what are you doing? It kind of calls us to like, what is the essence of who we are to be with one another? And I hear that question, what are you doing? And we have to ask ourselves, what are we doing? Like, what's the, what are we really on this earth to do? Is it to work and be frantic and do all that? I mean, I think that whisper, it wasn't just like a gentle voice. It was a question. Elijah, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. And I just think, I don't think any of us know what we're doing next, but we have to stop and listen. Also hearing that, you know, not, not just the what, but why are you doing it? Yeah. Yeah. I, I had, I had, I love your, what you had read uh, about the, uh, the take on this from, uh, from your, your, your extra study homework, uh, uh, Eric, that uh, that gods in that time were big and powerful and strong and drew attention to themselves and 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 got to d- devoted followers through through force and power, you know, huge marble statues and and the like, and uh, and 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 our God, 
uh, the God is is one that 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 can, but that often speaks to us uh, in the silence and the quietness, and we have to take some time to put put the rest out of it to to hear God speak. And as we've talked about the previous ones, then it's clear to me that God is speaking in all of this. Uh, that in in this COVID nineteen coronavirus uh, uh, pandemic, that that God is speaking to us and calling to us and. I have to feel like the times that I have not heard it are times where I'm saying, oh, well, well work is asking me to do all this stuff. And the kids are asking me to do all this stuff. And, uh, and you know, my family uh, needs this going on. And the news is, uh, is, is saying all this. And the statistics uh, of the numbers are, are, are so on. And, if I, and not to mention Netflix and Hulu and Disney Plus and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and the like. Uh, there, there's so many things if I chose to distract myself that I could, I could choose to, to focus my energy on. Uh, but, but God is there speaking. If I can just make the silence to, uh, to, to, to hear him. And, and, I, and that's what, what I hear in all of this is that there's a lot of, there's a tendency to want to go and latch on to something that will give you a sense of, uh, of, of, of meaning and, and purpose. But, but God is sitting here with a, with a community that, that won't leave people behind and, a, and, uh, and, and you know, a, a, a God that, that, that loves uh, us flawed people and is calling us to do something. And I should listen. Uh, and 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 have that uh, create that space for that uh, gentle still whisper uh, to come out, even if that is uncomfortable and and different. Um, that's that's what the time requires. That's what this time requires. Okay, Christy has unmuted. I want to hear what Christy has to say. Did you unmute because <laughs> you have something to share, Christy? Well, I think that that you know I told you all weeks ago when we first became trapped that. Um, <laughs> I'm kind of a happy hermit and I'm okay being by myself and, you know, quiet time is fine for me. And, and that I'm actually more scared about what happens when I do have to go back out, you know, but I've, I have lived this kind of fast paced life of keeping the kids busy and doing those things and, you know, just kind of going with the flow. And then when I really like, had to kind of stay home and think about it. I'm like, that's not really who I am. <laughs> so I think we've talked a little bit in this study about, you know, how will we as parents or friends, how will we change in all of that? Will we still try to keep up with everybody or will we kind of say, this is what I'm going to do. You know, I'm going to do something different. And what is God telling us is important in our lives and what isn't. And, so I think we're all having a lot of time for reflection about that. And the question really is, will we learn from it or will we just go back to the way that we were? Mm -hmm. right. and we keep hearing about herd immunity, but there's also like herd everything. So like, are we going to, are we going to be brave enough to step back and say, I'm not going to be part of the herd that goes back into the rush to read world when this is over, or it's going to be about courage and it's going to be about, um, it's going to be a decision. It's not going to be some, a decision that somebody else makes for us. It's going to be our decision to make. And that's going to be tough for people that want to, to stay changed or to grow out of this. It's going to be tough. It's going to take courage and um, the strength to say to other people who are saying, let's just all get back into it. I've changed. I'm not. That's, that's some powerful hard stuff. And Leanne, I think that's, that's perfect because that's actually my favorite part of this entire passage is that when Elijah goes into the cave, he is a completely different person than when he comes out of the cave. Right. Um, and, and 
I mean, he goes into the cave with a fear of death, with a fear that the people are going to kill him for what he's, you know, for what he's doing, what he's saying. And, you know, I mean, it's not a direct parallel, but I, I think about that, that, you know, when, when this is all over and we do come out, um, you know, our, we've, we've already mentioned, like, it's okay to be, to be different, to have different, uh, to have a, a, you know, a different passion, to have different hobbies, to have, you know, different, just, um, just be a different person entirely. But I think ultimately we are going to be, um, we're going to be responsible for our, um, to, to whether, whether or not we, we hold on to that, um, and to keep that change, uh, as part of ourselves, or like you all have been saying, or if we just fall back into old habits and just, you know, forget everything that happened. And that is not what God is telling Elijah here. He's saying, get out of the cave. You know, uh, that's actually Sarah's, Sarah's dad had, has preached a sermon on this. And we often will, will cite this passage and joke about this passage. Um, I know I, I can hear my dad uh, from, you know, and I don't know how many years ago he preached that sermon, but yeah, I can still hear him. Elijah, get out of the cave. Get out of the cave. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I guess if you squint, there is kind of an odd parallel in the study, right? Because uh, in this, in this passage, because he gets there because uh, the, the Baalites uh, just wipe his entire community away and he's like on the run and in exile his community is gone uh and uh and 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 if there was ever a time where you just follow the earthquake and the fire and the wind because you you're just looking for something and you're at your wits end uh and he had the presence of mind to 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 wait uh and then yeah he he goes out of the cave and 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 starts the 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 new lineage of uh of the new kingdom um with uh, uh you know he gives them God gives him these instructions of go and uh, anoint this person and do this and do this and he comes out of it. And, you know, I, I take from that, uh, I think so much of where we are with the coronavirus is, is about your mindset and is about how you're, how you're taking this and how you're approaching it. Is it, is it a threat? Are you getting punished um, and, and reacting that way? Or is it an opportunity? Uh, and, and are you being called and reacting to it that way? And I think to those, uh, time will tell. But if, if we're just trying to pass the time until the world gets jump-started again, then yeah, we'll probably want to go back to the way we were. But, it, but uh, if, we, if we see God calling us to, uh, to, to, to follow him and allow God to change us, you know, I, I believe that, that, that faith in Christianity is about letting God uh, perfect you and change you in normal times, uh, in, in, in times where there isn't a global pandemic. And it goes doubly now. But uh, if we wanted to have a lasting change, you know, saying that we were actually letting ourselves be changed, that we're doing this for a reason, that we're, we're trying to, uh, to, to, to improve and, and, and come out of this better. Uh, well, if you believe that you're better off at the end of it than you were, then you would be less likely to change. So, so much of it is, is about how you're seeing yourself and in, in, in your place in the world and in, in your place as a follower of God uh, and, and letting that lead you. And I, I have utmost confidence, uh, 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 Christy, that you, like the rest of us, will, will when when things get started up, uh, we will be uh, better for it, and, uh, and 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 not necessarily wanting to go back to the people that we were back in March of 2012. That yeah. day to go. Um, I I also think that that God's not in this passage. God's also telling us not to live in fear. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. 
we should we should definitely have a a a sense of concern and a sense of um, you know a, a, an, an idea for our, our our personal safety and for the safety of the community. But we've talked about that through through the lens of other scripture. In this passage, God's telling us not to live in fear um, for you know for, because we're going to be. We're going to be uh, beset by other challenges in the future, and the things that we're living through now, the things that we're dealing with now, uh, are just equipping us to deal with things like this. Yeah, you know, I've been obsessed with um, Julian of Norwich, and one of the things that my dear Julian has said um, is that when she was living through the plagues um, and everybody was saying, you know, where's God and what's happening, whatever. And she said, God is in everything or God is in nothing. So again, it's the choice that we have of seeing God in this or not in this. And I think with Elijah, he had that choice too. He could go after all these other gods or he could wait for the God. And, and, you know, she said, if you think things are bad, you just haven't waited long enough. And so again, it's that the, the ending is always good, but boy, when you're in the cave in the middle of the earthquake, you just can't even believe it. And I think we just have to wait on God. I think it's a, a really clear message. I don't want to rush us, but we have exactly five minutes left and we have one more passage that we want to get through. So should we move on or what should we do? Two, Leanne, can you read Matthew 7? And then, uh, and then I'll read the, the last psalm. Um, this is Matthew 7. closing thoughts in the last few minutes. Okay. This is Matthew 7, 24 through 28. Mm-hmm. Yep. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell with a great clash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. And in the same vein, uh, I think we just had everything freeze, but in the same vein, uh, Psalm, the first verse of Psalm 46, an ever-present help in trouble. What thoughts do y'all have about that? I know Tori can, can vouch for this, but anyone who grew up uh, at Christ Church uh, and went through the youth group, um, has sung that Psalm 46, that God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in time of trouble. Uh, and, you know, I will find myself just singing that, you know, just in my head if I'm having a rough day uh, or even if I'm, you know, sometimes just mowing the yard. And, you know, it, I'll just, it, it always comes, comes into my mind. Um, but that, that it's such a, it's such a relief sometimes to just say, you know what, this is, this is okay. I know this is hard. Uh, and I know 
things are, are incredibly tough, but you know, if I, if I lean on God, if I lean on, on um, the love and the support of the community that's provided, if I, uh, if I make sure that I'm, um, I'm just there, then it's, everything will be okay. And it may not feel like it now, but it will be. And so to that point, my birthday was, uh, it was during this coronavirus time and everything. And I was having a pretty, pretty funky day. And, uh, you know, at the, at the end of the day, you know, we're sitting there at dinner and Michael shows up, uh, at the house. We made, made sure to maintain social distance, but you know, I was, I was in a, in a funk the entire, the entire day. And because no one wants to spend their birthday in quarantine. And Michael came and we sat down and we had a, a great conversation. And that's all it was. We just talked. And then he went home and I was like, oh, all right, everything is all right. And it's, it's part of that, that community. And it's part of that, um, it, it's part of that, that love that's, that's built. And, uh, you know, it, it just all helped out. Everything's all right. We wait for each other. I think it, yeah. I think a neat way to end oh, this for each of us to, um, to just weigh in on like what we heard, like each one of us just say a line as we end this time together and just say like, what does it mean to you as we, we've read all these scriptures and now we've, you know, we've heard Christ is our rock and God is our refuge and our strength. What like closing words would you have for people? Let's just all like take a line and just say something as we, as we end our time together. So would anybody be comfortable going first? I would say that we can't know all the answers. We don't know all the answers, but it's just a comfort to know that God's there holding us. Maybe we don't even feel it, but God's there. And um, I would just say that as we've seen in these passages while the coronavirus pandemic may be unprecedented in our time it is not unprecedented in god's time and that um he will be there uh he was there for us before he's there for us now and he'll be there for us when this is all over so we'll get through it um i think i would say that uh change is always really messy and difficult and painful um but you have to go through the change in order to become something new. I think uh, the, the one that, that stands out to me and the thing I'll definitely be taking away from all of this uh, is what was, uh, what was said earlier and what Michael just said is that we wait for each other. You know, we're, we're all in this together and, we will wait for each other. And that's, that's going to be my mantra going forward. I'm pretty sure. I think for me, it's um, like I get, I'm okay most of the time, but then one little thing just shakes me to the core. It can be an NPR story. It can be a disappointment. It can be somebody hurts my feelings, whatever. I just feel fragile. And I think I'm just glad that I'm not the center of the universe as much as sometimes I think mm -hmm. I am. I'm just glad I'm not. And I'm glad that the center of my universe and your universe is this unfailing love and this rock that cannot be shaken. 
No, amen. Because I get so shaken and I'm glad that I have something firm that cannot be shaken. I just mm-hmm. love that. I have to say this whole thing started because a global pandemic that no one alive has seen before came out of nowhere. And I had a conversation uh, that, that said, I wonder, we study the quadrilateral that says that scripture always has something to, to, to say that's of value and you can find uh, something in scripture. I wonder what scripture has to say about the coronavirus global pandemic of 2020. And this conversation has told me that it has a lot to say, uh, that, that through the, just these six that we found, um, and there's a 66 books of it. Uh, God, God is speaking. God is speaking to us right now. Uh, if we listen to the still small voice and, and how lucky and blessed uh, we are to, to have both the scripture to, find, uh, to fall back on um, and to, to have uh, this community here of, of everyone uh, uh, that, 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 we, that we've got a chance to talk, uh, that we wait for each other. Um, and, and that we believe that uh, when, when a global pandemic comes and the rains fall and the winds blow, uh, that we do have a strong rock that is our refuge and strength. And, uh, and it's all going to be okay. And yeah. hopefully, if, if, uh, if, if, we, uh, if we listen to that still small voice, it could just very well be better than okay. And uh, that's, that's what I'm praying for. And I can't thank you all enough. For, uh, for 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 taking this this time to to, to do this, and uh, Michael, we we have, we have one more person you. on the chair. Tori, no pressure, but you got to take us out of here. What do you have to say? What have you taken away from this? I have no question that Tori can. So for me personally, I tend to have trust issues, but I know without a doubt in my heart, mind, or soul that God has this. He has this. He knows what's going to happen. He knows that we are going to get through this and that we are not alone in this. We might be alone in our homes, but we are not alone. God's got this. Amen. Amen. Oh my gosh. All right. Well, um, just, we want to thank if, if everybody for listening tonight and we hope that we've inspired you to pick up your Bible and to look at these scriptures or also to look at something else in your Bible. Um, you know, I believe we could almost open our Bibles to any passage and it would speak to us about this because our Bibles are the living word of God. And um, if this has inspired you to pick up your Bible and to look at some passages, um, that's all we wanted. And we hope that you found some courage, some insights, whatever. We've just done our best to try to be faithful to living into the word. So um, anybody else got anything to say? Or are we done? Michael, you want to sign this out of here? I can't do any better than, uh, than, than, than you, although I think Tori, that was, that was, that was beautiful. Thank you all for this. And, uh, and uh, let's uh, keep, keep reading, keep praying, and uh, keep waiting for each other. Thank you all.